It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Today on Locked On Dolphins, a trip down memory lane to the 2019 season where this whole journey began to look at the offensive side of the ball and see just how much better this Dolphins team is after four years of building. You are Locked On Dolphins. Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, the host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast alongside Joe Marino. You can find our shows here on the Locked On Network on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Thursday, June 15th, halfway through June already, 2023. And today on the show, we are winding back the clock, taking a nostalgic, painful nostalgic trip down memory lane to reflect on the Dolphins of 2019, because that was the year in which all of this began. The Dolphins reassigning Mike Tannenbaum, moving on from their leading passer and receiver and rusher and tackler, all in the same offseason. Their leading sack artist with Robert Quinn. They tore this thing down, and the commitment was... To learn to crawl before you walk instead of being barely able to walk and trying to enter the marathon to win a championship on an annual basis. This was the tenure in which Chris Greer became the unquestioned executive responsible for the Dolphins and their direction. Uh, Very murky waters when you have an EVP of football operations in Mike Tannenbaum, who used to be a general manager uh, for another team who operates alongside you but above you and responsible for some things that you are not responsible for and it was largely that kind of structural approach to the hierarchy of the Dolphins brain trust on the football side of things during Stephen Ross's first 10 years of ownership of this team that created a lot of the dysfunction and inefficiencies in how the Dolphins have operated and this has since became a much more streamlined process you have a general manager who collaborates with the head coach, and that is it. It's not Donna Ponte and Jeff Ireland and Joe Philbin, and they all report directly to Ross, 
And they're all pointing the finger at one another as far as why things aren't going the way that they're going. So this 2019 year was critical for a number of reasons, none bigger in my mind than finally streamlining the football operations. So that's why when I judge this Dolphins team, I don't judge it to the 2016, 2017, Chris Greer is the general manager, air quotes, uh, years. I judge Chris Greer's resume based on what has happened since he has become the unquestioned authority and decision maker, and there's no one else whose name can go in the tagline next to you. There's no question about whose decision it was. Chris Greer, for better or for worse, depending on the position group and the coach, uh, still very much caters his decisions towards the desires of his head coach. But... This roster, after four years of pursuing visions of head coaches that have been here between what we have now in Mike McDaniel and what we had with Brian Flores, uh, has created a product that is eye-opening. I'll say that. And our objective here is to go across the offensive side of the ball today. Tomorrow we're going to do the defensive side of the football. But anybody who's been an everydayer, and shout out to our everydayers who are locked in on a daily basis here on Locked on Dolphins, who has followed my content for probably the past year, year and a half. I was very familiar with the roster evaluation project that we use uh, to evaluate teams and rosters and the quality of the rosters. We look at players and put them into buckets between cornerstones and quality starters, adequate starters, quality depth players, replacement level players, rookies, incomplete evaluations, non-roster caliber players, and practice squad developmental types. You can quantify or you, you can subjectively place any player on any roster in the NFL into those buckets. Now, there is some conscious and subconscious biases that exist with that, and you acknowledge that. And There is no perfect foolproof evaluation tool, but the version that I give on this show is the version of reality that I perceive and I try my best to be as objective as I possibly can. This tool and this project did not exist in 2019. But I do remember how I felt about the team in 2019 because I was working for USA Today's Dolphins Wire and was responsible for writing five to seven stories a day, seven days a week, about the Miami Dolphins. It's an awesome gig. Did it for two years. Uh, and then in after the 2019 season, that's when I came into Locked on Dolphins uh, in... February of that year in 2020, before that critical 2020 draft that so many people like to point to when they talk about the things they don't like about Chris Greer, the general manager of this football team. So I have the 2019-53 next to the current Dolphins 53. And for those of you who are following on YouTube, you're going to have a chance to observe this with me. But it's the 2019 group and the present day group side by side, 53 man for 2019 and a 53 man projection for 2023, four years in the making. We're going to look at the offensive side of the ball today. We're going to look at the defensive side of the ball tomorrow. Reminder, your, your index uh, buckets, cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, rookies, Replacement level players, quality depth players, incomplete evaluations, non-roster caliber players, and practice squad developmental types. The Dolphins projected quarterback room as things currently stand. Tua Tagovailoa, Mike White, and Skylar Thompson. Back in 2019, that group was Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. 
And that was it. The Josh Rosen decision was a controversial one. I appreciated the process of it. Uh, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick, questionable, uh, quote-unquote, tanking quarterback. And, of course, we, we've heard all kinds of storylines about allegedly what was discussed and what was not discussed, and it's neither here nor there. Ryan Fitzpatrick at that time, coming out of Tampa Bay, was considered to be an adequate level starting quarterback, the quintessential QB purgatory player. And obviously Fitz came in in 2019 and unlocked Devontae Parker and unlocked Mike Gusecki. But you think about all of those players at that time and the perception of these players. And Fitz was the guy who came in in Tampa Bay and wore Deshaun Jackson's get-up. It wasn't the Fitz who made such a strong push to stay in 2020. So you put him in the adequate starter bucket. You have Josh Rosen as an incomplete evaluation. He was the 10th overall pick, started 13 games, was objectively horrible. And you compare that to the group now of Tua Tungvaloa, Mike White, Skyler Thompson. It took Tua two years, took him into his third season, but you can definitively say, and it's not even close, Tua is a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I did not think that was the case in 2020. And obviously it was a moot point in 2021 because the Dolphins had moved on from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the quarterback that Tua is now playing in a system that is tailored to him with his strengths and try as the 2020 team may have, they were not equipped to optimize a player like Tua. You Charlie Fry presumably calling plays for the first month you have George Godsey, Eric Studesville. It just it was not a, an offensive supporting staff, and the, the players were not there to have Tua to, to fulfill his potential. We saw what the potential was last year. And I think Tua is a starting caliber, quality starting caliber quarterback as things currently stand. If the durability question goes away, then you can ask yourself if there's a higher ceiling to tap into, in my mind, in my opinion. What's also fun is to compare the scoring methodology for this of the present day group versus the 2019 group, not only to say, well, Tua, Mike White, who's a quality depth player and Skylar Thompson is a developmental player versus an adequate level starter in Ryan Fitzpatrick and an incomplete evaluation, Josh Rosen, and just see the difference in the quality there, but to also put them through their scoring paces with the numerical values that are associated with this and comparing it to all of the other quarterback rooms that have been evaluated between Joe Marino and myself over the last two years, because we've done this exercise for 2022 and 2023. And I could tell you across the uh, two complete sweeps through the league, so 64 iterations, this Dolphins quarterback room right now scores as the 14th out of 64. That quarterback room in 2019, 38th out of 64. Well, this was an objectively below average quarterback room versus what is a top 25% quarterback room over the last two years for what the Dolphins have assembled now. We'll, we'll comparatively have that data uh, for all of the groups. 
But before we go any further here on this episode of Locked On Dolphins, right now is the perfect time for you to turn your eyes to all of the NFL futures available over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 in bonus bets back if your first bet does not hit. There is no better place to get in on all of the football action, baseball action, Basketball and hockey will be back before we know it, and they have action as well. Then America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite-only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So that's quarterback room. Obviously pretty easy to hold those two up against each other. But then you have the skill group. And the way that we have scored these when we're quantifying rosters is we put the running backs, the wide receivers, and the tight ends all in the same category. It's the, the skill group, the quarterback's most direct supporting cast. And then the offensive line, you put the tackles and the guards and the centers together. Miami, present day. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Devon A. Chain, Alec Ingold in the backfield. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios, Chosen Anderson, Eric Ezukan at wide receiver, Eric Saubert, Durham Smythe, Elijah Higgins, and Tanner Connor at tight end. It's a really intriguing group, and the two pillars are 10 and 17. But it wasn't always like this. Case in point. The running back room in 2019 was Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balage, Mark Walton, Miles Gaskin as a rookie, Patrick Laird, UDFA rookie, and Chandler Cox. So you had Kenyon Drake, longtime frustrating member of the Dolphins for the potential that he had as a third round pick in 2016 versus what he had actually manifested. We all know the tragedy of Kalen Balage. Uh, Mark Walton was a second-year player who logged barely any snaps but had gotten himself dismissed from Cincinnati due to some off-the-field issues, and he did not last long in Miami either. Miles Gaskin, seventh-round rookie. Patrick Laird, UDFA rookie. And Chandler Cox, a seventh-round rookie. That's your running back room. <laughs> An adequate starter, two incomplete evaluations, and three rookies. This year's group of Mostert, adequate starter, Jeff Wilson, quality depth, Devon A. Chain, a rookie, and Alec Ingold, an adequate level starter slash, I think there's a firm argument to be made he's a quality starter at fullback. Is he the same stratosphere as Kyle Juszczyk? No. But that's the kind of versatility and value he brings to the offense. You've got more proven track record, you have more upside with Devon A-Chain, and you have a better fullback in Alec Ingold. That's a nice one-for-one. One. 
but it really pops your eyes when you look at the wide receiver group. And we acknowledge the wide receivers in 2019 were Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson, and UDFA Preston Williams. Now, Preston made some noise that year, but there's always a vacuum that has to be filled when you just don't have bodies. And I think that's what you saw with Preston Williams. Case in point, Preston Williams no longer in the league. Devontae Parker had not had the 12,000 or 1,200 yard season that he would go on to have in 2019. So going into that season, he was perceived to be also, like Kenyon Drake, a career underachiever and probably an adequate level starter at best. Jakeem Grant was a special teams guy almost exclusively at this point in time. Alan Hearns was coming off of a uh, injury-riddled season in Dallas. As a middle-tier wide receiver, you could probably find that just about anywhere. Consider him, at the time, replacement-level player. Albert Wilson, nice slot option, always kind of battled with injuries, and because of that, he never really fully materialized his potential in spite of how good he was after the catch in Kansas City. And then, obviously, Preston Williams as a rookie. You compare that to Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios, Robbie Chosen, and Eric Azukanma. You have two cornerstone players versus the 2019 group had nothing better than an adequate level starter, and it was only one. And two quality depth options. It's a monstrous gap between what the Dolphins were and what the Dolphins are. That is as great of a leap as you will see. Well, that's not true. We have the defensive line to get to tomorrow and to not bury the lead. Uh, the Dolphins just about went from worst to first in that's that category, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But um, the wide receiver evolution across a four-year window is highly impressive. Now, the tight end room really doesn't move the needle a ton, but that's because the Dolphins, by choice, have chosen to uh, go for complementary players for the rest of the offense in that room. In case in point, you know, this is a statistic that's been brought up a number of times over the past couple of weeks. They've only thrown, they only threw the ball 12% of the time to tight ends. Just frankly speaking, not a part of the offense. But the 2019 group was second-year tight ends Mike Gusecki and Durham Smythe. And Nick O'Leary, who, by the way, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but he's like Jack Nicholas's grandson. Anytime a guy, Nick O'Leary, touched a football field on Sundays, they made sure to mention that. But if that is your hallmark contribution as an NFL player, probably a replacement level tight end, which Nick O'Leary was. And Durham Smythe, he talked himself about the struggles of his first five years in the league and the evolution of him, what he was good at at college and magically you go to the NFL and you're magically no longer good at that anymore and you have to relearn how to do it. And Mike Gusecki had spent his rookie season the previous year uh, in 2018 with Adam Gase, who didn't know what to do with him. 20% of his reps his rookie season were spent in pass protection. Yikes. So you have two incomplete evaluations in second-year players and a replacement-level player at tight end versus quality depth options in Eric Sauber, Durham Smythe, a rookie in Elijah Higgins. Tyler Croft not on this projection, but another quality depth option if they choose to go that route. 
And then Tanner Connor is a developmental type who kind of fits in the same bucket as Gasecki and Smythe as an incomplete evaluation, just with a very different pathway to the NFL. In total, this skill group, out of 64 teams, technically 65 because it's all the teams this year, all the teams last year, and the 2019 Miami Dolphins, this skill group ranked 57th out of 65 qualifying data points. 57th, absolute bottom of the bucket. The current day roster between the last two seasons combined scores as the ninth best skill group in the NFL across the last two years. So obviously divide that by two to get to a one-year sample size. It's a top five supporting cast. So you went in four years from 57th to top five. In the same stretch in which you went from at quarterback 38th, which is, you know, bottom half of the league. Fitz gives you a certain floor that maybe if you were really committed to losing all those football games, you re- wouldn't really embraced. Versus a top eight quarterback room is is what the average, if you average the numbers, would, would say the Miami Dolphins have now after two seasons. The evolution's pretty significant when you stop and consider the offensive struggles that the Dolphins had in 19, but also in 20 and also in 21. Always helps to put this into context, and every team of the last two years in the NFL has been applied the same scope and lens as what the Dolphins are being applied to right here and now. And that's, that's how the Dolphins factor out. So, offensive lines where we're finishing here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys are enjoying this stroll down memory lane. And of course, we have to talk about the one, the only Laramie Tunsil here to finish on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. To quantify the offensive line, you have to do two things. You have to look at this group before Laramie Tunsil. And then you have to look at this group after Laramie Tunsil. And after Laramie Tunsil, the bottom completely falls out because in place of Laramie Tunsil, you get Julian Davenport. Replacement level player. Now, if you wanted to make the argument at the time it was an incomplete evaluation uh, as a younger player, you could do that. I would listen to it. I don't know that I would buy it. But regardless, Laramie Tunsil gave the offensive line a certain ceiling. And if if you were to look at the Dolphins on September 1st or whenever it was when they made the first cut down to 53 before the Tunsil stuff hit the fan, you had a cornerstone player in Laramie Tunsil on a rookie contract. 
You had Jesse Davis, Isaiah Prince, day three rookie, Daniel Kilgore had came over the previous season and signed to be the starting center. The names like Chris Reed, Michael Dieter, Danny Isidora, Deion Calhoun, Evan Bain. That's your offensive line. That's your nine-man NFL offensive line in 2019. You had two players that qualified as adequate starters or better in Daniel Kilgore and Laramie Tunsil. And then you trade Jeremy Laramie Tunsil for the moon. Now, I'm putting Tunsil on this list because the Dolphins voluntarily chose to cut him. And they chose, or they, they chose to trade him and cut ways with Tunsil at the end of the rainbow with the big picture in mind. But the, he was originally a part of the commitment for that roster. If you graded the Dolphins' offensive line with Tunsil in 2019, you get a group that is 42nd out of 65 qualifying groups. Without Laramie Tunsil, it grades as the 61st out, <laughs> out of 65. So it's a bottom five unit the last two versus the last two years. And that might feel hard to believe, but I promise you there are some stink offensive lines that are out here in the here and now. That even now, that Dolphins offensive line would be competitive with. The Raiders group last year, it was Colton Miller, Dylan Parham, Jermaine Illuminar, Alex Bars. Parham was a rookie. The Cardinals' offensive line last year was DJ Humphreys and Josh Jones with Will Hernandez. It's very easy to bag on the Dolphins' offensive line. And I'll agree, it hasn't been great. But believe it or not, it was not the catastrophic group versus the norms of what bad offensive lines look like every year. So to get what you got for Laramie Tunsil and then to put yourself in a stratosphere that says, yeah, you're, you're pretty much bottom of the bucket. Now, where do, the, where do we measure now? We acknowledge the names, Tunsil, Davis, Prince, Kilgore, Reed, Dieter, Isidora, Calhoun, Evan Bame. You move out Tunsil and you put Julian Davenport in his place. It's a bottom five offensive line versus the grading out of the last two seasons. Now you have Teron Armstead, Isaiah Wynn, Austin Jackson, Cedric Ogwehi, and then Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, Lee Meikenberg, Dan Feeney, Robert Jones. We will see if anybody upsets that group, but that for my money right now is, is my favorite nine for what the Dolphins have under contract. You had two players who qualified as adequate level starters or better, and then one after you traded Tunsil in 2019. Tron Armstead, when healthy, is a roster cornerstone. And even when he's not healthy, he's still a roster cornerstone. You just acknowledge there's some durability issues there. Isaiah Wynn, at left tackle, when not playing for Matt Patricia, has showcased the floor of an adequate level starter at left tackle. He may end up playing inside at guard for you. We'll see. You have two quality starters in Robert Hunt and Connor Williams. You have four players. You have twice the amount of players in a four-year window that you were able to add. Obviously, there's some work to be done with the Connor Williams contract to get that sorted out. But then even Robert Jones, Robert Jones at this point in stage in his career as a third-year player, 
is a quality depth player, and that's better than Reed, Dieter, Isidora, Calhoun, Bame, all those guys ended up being. You've got, after the trade of Laramie Tunsil, I would say the Dolphins now have comfortably five guys, comfortably four guys, who are better than what the best player was in that offensive line four years ago. If you graded it out, this Dolphins present day group from a talent perspective, not from a coaching or an execution or a durability perspective, but just the talent that's assembled, which is what this entire thought exercise is all about. That group grades out 23rd out of 65. Is it head, shoulders, knees, and toes above the competition? No. But it is a top third of the league the last two years, which is about a top, it's a top 15, it's top half the league in my mind, very comfortably. Top 12 from a talent perspective. Now the execution of that and the growth of the players that need to grow uh, so that the consistency and the performances there is a different story. And that was why yesterday Teron Armstead was one of our essentials. You need as much of Teron Armstead to stabilize that unit as you can, because when he's out there, it's a different-looking and feeling unit. Might fly in the face of uh, conventional wisdom. But the offensive line is, of course, that group where uh, the coaching is paramount more so than the talent. There's many that believe that, you know, if you could pick one group to have a better coach than individual players at the NFL level, it would be the offensive line because they all have to see it the same way. They all have to be on the same page, and the communication has to be very strong. I think the talent is there. It piecing together is something different altogether, but even still, we went from uh, one of the five worst in 2019 to now being at a stage where... uh, Top 25 versus the last two years, so it's top half the league comfortably from a talent perspective. If this comes across as as pro-Chris Greer propaganda, I would just say this. I think Chris Greer has done a very good job of building this team and being committed to supporting his head coach with the tools that his coach feels that he needs to execute the vision of the team to the best of the coach's ability which is the job and role of an executive, is to build the best roster for the pieces that are in place that you possibly can. You could rehash the 2020 draft if you want to and talk about mulligans, and it's very hard to say, specifically with that quarterback situation, how differently things could look uh, if you went in a different direction. What is important now is the Dolphins are committed to putting a system and cast around the player that they have to put them in position to be successful. I would promise you, other than maybe two quarterbacks in this league, they're all scheme-specific and they're all talent-specific players. The Dolphins are committed to investing the right pieces around the quarterback that they have, which is the only course of action, the only responsible course of action based on where we are at in the timeline. We'll do the defense tomorrow. And we'll do the same uh, walk down memory lane with Minka Fitzpatrick that we did with Laramie Tunsil. Uh, We will look at how much this Dolphins roster is improved. And then we'll also uh, get into how the Dolphins roster in totality scores versus uh, the last two teams worth 
as well. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day. Make it a great rest of your Thursday. I will be back again tomorrow to go over the defensive side of the football. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.